Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Growth Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Business Growth Secrets. We've got an amazing guest with me today, and I'm really, really, really excited uh, to bring on Charlie Bowes Lyon, who is the co-founder of an amazing brand called Wild that's achieving some excellent things. He's also scaled and successfully um, exited two previous startups as well, um, achieved some amazing success and really, really looking forward to getting deep into uh, Charlie's journey. So welcome, Charlie. How are you doing, buddy? You okay? Yeah, really good. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for uh, having me. Excited to be yeah. here. Well, love love the business, love the brand. I'll just say that again. Love the business, love the brand, and uh, really looking forward to talking about everything that's gone in behind it. But I think it'd be really good for the the audience and everybody to get to know a bit about you personally, about your background, where you've come from, having now started and successfully exited two startups, and having this great company in place now. We've got a lot of business owners on that maybe they're looking to get their first business going. You know, there may be a, a, a time in their lives where they're pushing, they're struggling, things don't seem to be going right for them, and they're just looking for that. How do I get going? How do I get started? So if you took us back to the start, what has your business journey been like? And have there been some ups and downs, some lessons that you've learned? Yeah, I, th- I think definitely. I mean, my very first business, um, I actually started in my last year of university, and it was one of those things where I didn't really have a plan. Um, I started working on it. It kind of took off and suddenly I was able to make a bit of money. I was like, oh, hold on, hold on a minute. Maybe I don't have to, you know, go and train to be a lawyer or um, become a doctor or whatever. I can I can continue with this. Um, and so I ended up doing it, I think, for four or five years. Um, and it was essentially in the publishing space online and I was selling. I had several kind of online magazines and was selling the um, – the advertising space and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was kind of completely making it up as I went along. Um, I think faking it to make it doesn't, doesn't even justify probably the level of the faking that was going on, but, um, but it, it sort of worked and, you know, we had people, we had luck, we had huge traffic. So we got, I think, um, to about a million, uh, organic online views every month. Um, and that was, you know, without spending anything on on marketing. And I suppose that was my first kind of foray into uh, the world of marketing and, and doing it organically and how to create an audience and things like SEO um, as well. Um, and probably, you know, if I'm honest at the time, it never felt like I was doing something particularly successful. Um, it always felt like I didn't really know what I was doing. And like internally, you have imposter syndrome, especially, I think, at, at that kind of age. Um, but looking back, I think it, you know, really 
um, gave me like a, a very solid foundation for the rest of my career. I learned a lot of stuff essentially myself and through speaking to others um, that I, I probably wouldn't have learned if I'd, I'd gone into kind of a grad job um, and, and it was a pretty amazing experience. And I, I still have, so I sold the majority of that business. I still have a few bits of it, which kind of make me passive income today. And actually, you know, through uh, starting wild at the very beginning, obviously wasn't much of an income, um, kind of sustained me financially for for a bit of time, which was which was great. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think the the kind of core lesson there is um, if you have imposter syndrome or you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Don't worry. It's it's pro- probably the case for most people who are starting out in a business, and it's it's also the best thing you can do because you you're just going to learn so much, and some of that might be about failure, but some of it will inevitably be success as well. You're going to learn a lot more by doing right than you are. Yeah, thinking, exactly. Right? You've got to take exactly. the actions. There's no doubt. And and after you went into that foray, you built that business. What what happened next? What was next for you? You learned those lessons. What what was kind of your next step to on your journey? Yeah, so I, I did a few things. So I think I kind of identified the areas that I felt I was weakest in. Um, so there were, there were parts of that business that I knew had the infrastructure, had the audience, um, and I knew I could be essentially monetizing it way better and, and and doing a better job if I was just like better at kind of basic sales and. Um, or like, you know, had a bit better network for people to contact or how to find clients to advertise. Um, so I, I went, um, so after selling that, I actually worked, uh, for a little while as a headhunter. Um, and part of the reason for that was that I knew I could earn a, a pretty decent wage, but I also knew that that was about sales having a role as you can do. And I felt like if I, went into that i'd be able to learn what was missing from my first business um and you know back then not that it's all that long ago but um it was still kind of fairly hardcore recruitment you had to do 150 calls a day or whatever it was and hit all these kpis um and and quite sort of stringent 90s sales um and i think um you know it was it was great i wouldn't have been able to continue doing it for too long but it was really great for my my learning curve and enabled me to then go on to you know do much more in, in my sort of future businesses and be much more capable because I was confident in pitching something in or, or selling an idea, um, which you know as as anyone starting a business who's looking for funding knows is like a, an absolutely core um, ability to be able to have. It's incredible. Any, any young person asked me at any point, what should I do? And, you know, I want to be successful and and you get it a lot. You get young people come to my events or, you know, young people like my nephew or anyone ask me, what should I do, Adam? How do I get on this journey to become more successful? The first thing I do is say, go and get a sales job. Right. Exactly. It's it's a fundamental skill, isn't it, that you're going to need. It's going to come up again and again and again and again. And you're going to have a lid on your ability if you can't sell because you're selling ideas your products your services your vision you're always selling so it's really cool that you identified that and did something about it right i think that's exactly right i mean i i couldn't agree with that more i think you know it's a life skill as well if you can convince someone to do something you know you you can get places in life even outside of business and, and it's it's such a 
a core and, and actually relatively simple trait to learn. But learning it is 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 worthwhile always, I think. <laughs> and you do go through a little bit of pain, right? In in learning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit miserable to begin with, to be honest. Yeah. Picking up the phone after Doug's day, but but it, it was worth it, I think. Brilliant. So so you went off, you learned sales, you got better at that, and and then you went back into business again, right? Is that was that Yeah, so so actually the, the next business was kind of again came about slightly unplanned. So I was working as at a as a director at a business called Hatch Group and they mostly specialized in sort of performance marketing and marketing for tons of, of the kind of biggest startups that um, you'd hear about today. And uh, we, so I was working mostly on a separate side of the business, consulting with a lot of these companies about hiring in, um, you know, leadership teams or what they should be doing with their marketing functions and, and how they should be building them. Um, and at the time, I kind of felt like um, I really wanted to be sort of practicing what I was preaching and actually doing, um, you know, some of the stuff I was telling these kind of big companies, companies like Harry's and you know, companies people have heard of, um, you know, what to do. And yeah, there I was having never really done like paid marketing myself, just kind of knowing theory. So I set up. Uh, my second business, which was a business called Climate Cups, um, and the idea was um, reusable coffee cups, essentially, with um, uh, that were collapsible at the same time. And this was around the time that I think it was um, David Attenborough's Blue Planet Two came out. So, you know, people were just waking up to the fact that plastic waste was an issue. Um, supermarkets were considering bringing in a charge for plastic bags all that stuff was going on so it was it was pretty good timing and i think um i launched very basically my wife was helping me um literally from my living room and within the first month i think we sold like ten thousand cups basically through facebook ads uh, and a little bit of branding um and we we were sort of fulfilling them from our living room. I think my my now business partner came run round one day and it's like boxes packed to the ceiling. It was like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was kind of really crazy. And I was like, wow, this this you know, if I really applied myself, um, this this could be something quite big. Um, so that that's kind of what led on to Wild. Because I we we I looked at it the business my current business partner um, and we were like is this something you know we should try and take to the next level get some funding um, increase our marketing and we sort of felt um, probably because the the whole idea was that you know customers get something for life and don't come back it was going to be hard to make it work on D to C because any D to C business basically needs good retention. Um, of customers to succeed unless you're selling kind of very, very, very expensive items. Um, so we, so I ended up selling it instead. Um, and a, a kind of private sale, really simple, but you know, for what was essentially half a year's work, it was, it was a really sort of great experience. Um, and gave me confidence that, you know, I could do the sort of paid side of marketing, which I hadn't had all that much experience in, um, previously. Um, and yeah, that that sort of led on to the, the creation of world, which is um, a really smart move to look at. Hey, these people are only buying once. I'm going to saturate my buyers, and 
not have any way of bringing people back in to generate revenue. So, you know, really, really interesting that you went for a, a different model. And, and, and what you're doing now looks like it's achieving massive success, right? And you spent a long time, didn't you, actually building out this model. Um, am I right in saying you did over two and a half years worth of research to really get this right for this? Yeah, so, well, there's, yeah, so, so initially, um, it was about a year for the initial product. Um, but in that time, so, uh, Wild basically sells reusable, um, bathroom products and you get refills, you get a case that's reusable and then you get refills, which are zero plastic and can be composted or, um, recycled. Uh, and our first kind of core product was deodorant, natural deodorant. Um, and the issue we had was that we had very little money, so we were bootstrapped with a, a small amount to kind of get a product out there to market in front of investors. Um, and in that first year, it took probably about 12 months to create and design the case. And about 12 months as well to create a, a sort of natural deodorant formula that actually worked. And we'd sort of naively gone in thinking, you know, how hard can it be to, to kind of create these things? Like, we'll get it right. And then, you know, 35 iterations later, there we were still not quite happy with the, the natural deodorant itself. Um, and it also turned out, um, which again, we were probably a little naive about that removing plastic from packaging is just incredibly difficult. Um, and, and, you know, plastic is actually the most amazing material in, in what it can do. Um, and getting rid of it for a cosmetic product is, is so, so tough. Um, but we got there. Um, we had to do about six months of fundraising as well, which, um, inevitably was quite tough too, because we didn't have anything to, to show for ourselves yet. Um, and, and got it to market. And then, you know, the latest products, uh, which I think you were referring to, the body wash, that has taken about two and a half years. Um, again, I think almost a bigger challenge in some ways. So we have the reusable casing and again, the, the refills that are zero plastic. Um, the issue was this time that, that whilst the deodorants are solid, the, the, um, body wash is obviously a liquid and, keeping a liquid in a compostable material that has zero plastic is really, really difficult. So, you know, anything from your paper um, coffee cups from Starbucks or any of those shops all have a plastic lining in them. and They're actually all quite difficult to recycle because you'd have to separate that plastic lining from the paper. Um, and, and basically all products that appear to be paper and carrier liquid have that at the moment. So this, I think, is the, the world's first bottle that is, um, properly biodegradable and compostable, um, and has zero plastic that's, that's capable of carrying liquid. So we're, we're kind of super excited about it. Absolutely. And, and how this business has gone very far, right? In the fact that you sold thousands and thousands and thousands of products and, and the business is growing, you know, very, very, uh, very much is, you know, the notes that I've got is that, you know, this business in its last year, is that correct? They achieved over 26 million pounds worth of sales. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so last year, 26, um, 26 million pounds. And I think this year we're on track to sell something like 15 million refills um, and hopefully be double roughly double the size of last year. So it's it's been been kind of crazy 
it's crazy place to be honest. success, right? So twenty-six million pounds worth of sales, but also the the side of saving five hundred thousand kilograms of, of of plastic. But also the customers love it because you got twenty thousand five star reviews. Yeah, so you you yeah, exactly. a fantastic product. Yeah. You should be really really happy. Um, what's Thank the you. site? Do you want to tell the website for anyone that wants to go and check that out? Yeah, so it's uh, wearewild.com, or you can you can just type in wild to Google and it will will come up. Um, we are wild. Yeah, exactly. the products look amazing. I'm certainly going to be a, be a customer and, and and test those out for sure. Absolutely. So look, massive, massive success with this business. What have you learned along the way? You know, what are some of those big lessons for you that in building this business that you could share with other entrepreneurs? What would you say yeah. the top five are? I think I think so many um, lessons to be honest. So we launched uh, we launched in April 2020, um, and obviously that was the same month that the pandemic started. Um, and the first thing that happened was that all of our manufacturers who were about to be creating our products just disappeared overnight because um, you know suddenly people weren't working there or whatever. Was, was going on internally with them we were at the bottom of that list like a tiny you know yeah. startup first run of products and we just weren't the priority so um i think what we did learn uh in from that is that the people who you can rely on or the rather the partners whether it's manufacturing partners or 3pls or whatever it is who, who do kind of stick by you and help you. Like even if they have problems, it's worth your loyalty um, to stick with them because ultimately those are the guys that, if something do go wrong, and, and in the in the sort of lifespan of any business, normally there's a period where something goes wrong. They'll stick by you and like they won't sort of drop you in a hat. And you know the people that did drop us um, and, and kind of ghosted us, we, we haven't worked with again because. We just we know that they're not reliable. We know that things can go wrong, and, and you know the same thing. Um, obviously, we were we were much bigger. But the same thing happened when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine because Ukraine was uh, one of the biggest exporters of some of our ingredients. And overnight, I think prices went up by three hundred percent. It was incredibly hard to come by some of our, our kind of core ingredients. And again, like those same partners who had helped us out the first time, the same partners that. Um, you know, maybe gave us a bit of leeway on margin or maybe agreed to, um, you know, fix, even fix like the the exchange rate to the dollar pound if you were ordering in dollars because the pound was dipping. So that there was like a, a, a lot, uh, a lot to be said, I think, for um, finding good partners who will stick with you through thick and thin. And that, and that does go both ways. Like sometimes those partners will drop the ball and obviously you have to address that, but giving them a, a like a bit of a chance to write themselves is is um pretty key, I think. Yeah. So build build those relationships has been a big, big, big you know, lesson, like you said, which is so important. What about the market yeah. aspect, you know, to to build the business through to um and I and I believe that you're in charge of the marketing, right? To build that business yes. to uh, funnily enough, the last couple of days I've just been with my gold circle clients, which is a group of clients that I mentor and coach and really training them on ads and getting them to buy into the concept of getting ads out for, for their yeah. business. And so it's just mad because once you understand how to do this stuff, it can just change the game. You know, what's that 
been like for you and you know how have you got this business into multiple eight figures and what's your strategy been like yeah so i think there's probably um two key strategies which we we tried to employ from the beginning um the first is having varied marketing when it comes to the paid media so you know if you put everything into facebook and that's your channel then you risk one day facebook getting much harder I should meta now sorry meta mm. getting much harder or you know something saturated whatever it is and suddenly you're you're stuck um so i think the key the key thing we try to to do along the way is like have several channels none of which we are completely over reliant on obviously you know meta some reason went out of business or something it would hurt us but it wouldn't kill us overnight and i think what we've seen uh what i've seen certainly in my career when consulting for other businesses is they're just they become over reliant on any one channel um and as a result you know it's like they're going along nicely and then suddenly they saturate for their audience and overnight often literally overnight their cpms double and it becomes twice as expensive to acquire customers um and they and they can't take that whereas if you have kind of a a wide uh, marketing channel mix you have the ability to move budget in and out of those channels um across them whatever and it just allows you a little bit more flexibility um to make way for for kind of bad performance and likewise for good performance as well like you can you can ramp anything up if, if things are going well um so i think we probably have five or six sort of core channels all of which meaningfully bring in sales, whether it's, um, you know, Meta or TikTok or um, influencer uh, affiliates, whatever, there's, there's, there's like a lot of effort put into each of these. Um, and then as, alongside that, see the brand. Um, and that's probably the other lesson. We didn't go out and spend 100K on an expensive brand, ag um, brand agency to, you know, make us look absolutely amazing before we'd sold our first product. So many companies do that. They, you know, they get a bit of funding. The investors tend to say brand is so important. You need to like really, um, you know, look great and like everything needs to be perfect. And they spend a year doing, creating this like incredible website. And then they go out and they find out they don't have product market fit and it's all been a waste of time. Um, the key I think is just to like test and learn. So you just, do it yourselves or, you know, pay a freelancer to do the bare minimum, find out what's resonating. And from there, continue to iterate basically on, on what you've learned. And I think with brand, it's, you know, something that at some point you do end up investing quite a bit more in, but probably in our first year, we've spent maybe two grand externally on developing our brand and and like i was running the instagram it was absolutely awful and you know people used to comment on how awful it was sometimes but you know we yeah. learned a lot and, and, that, and that's you know kind of fun. I, I love what i love your answer because test and learn is the way right you you know you yeah. don't the market's going to tell you you know what what is wrong often and and if you don't get give the market that opportunity you never find out right and a lot of times yeah, exactly. So I think that's a big lesson, isn't it, right, to get out there? And it sounds like you've done that a lot throughout your career. Yeah, I think it applies, applies across everything, to be honest. Um, you know, whether it's tech or CRO or marketing or, or your product, you've got to just constantly be testing. And I don't know what 
like I couldn't even tell you what iteration of our deodorant we're on now, um, but we're still constantly trying to improve the formula and like find better and better um, ways of producing it. So, you know, across the business, I think you should never stop trying to improve every kind of um, asset that you have. Um, and then I think the other the other big kind of marketing um, thing that we sort of try to do, or less marketing, but but kind of strategy is um, being multi territories. So um, again, when I was consulting, there were there were companies who were just UK based or um, you know just stuck in one country, and like sometimes you know sometimes it's harder to not do that if you're say a physical business, but if you're an online business and have the ability to be multi-territory, it can add just so much to um, to your business because essentially, you know, just like with marketing channels, you can have a bad period of time in a given country or like, or that country can have a bad period of time, you know, got the current um, cost of living crisis, for example, there will be businesses suffering uh, because of that, and potentially there are countries that aren't seeing that so much. And if you, if they were able to switch them up and spend to those countries, then as a business they can kind of get through the, the tougher periods. So we started out um, expanding into Europe. I think almost in our first year, or at the end of our first year, uh, and, and kind of really targeted Germany as a sort of second territory for us. And um, you know, there's a whole whole load of lessons in that as well. It was, it was pretty tough and. Um, you know, you can't you can't just be like an English company in in Germany. You have to make it feel authentic. But once we did crack it, um, you know, I think Germany now is is probably seventy five percent the size of of the UK um, for for Wild, and it's like a big meaningful market. And we're now, you know, seeing similar things in other EU uh, countries, and and also trying stuff in Australia as well. So. Again, it just gives you a lot of flexibility, especially as a, an econ business, if you're able to, um, I guess, spread your bets a bit and have the flexibility for where you spend your, your marketing budget. And also just more heads, more people, more population, more opportunities. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Which, is, uh, which, is, which is awesome. So where, where are you going next? What's the plan? So, you know, you built this, this great business. It's... Uh, Doing really, really well. What are your what are your future plans? Where do you want to take it? What's your sort of next moves? So I think we um, it's a good question. I think we I think we want to essentially in the future have have a situation where you walk into a bathroom and every product you see is wild, um, and therefore there is literally zero waste that that comes from the bathroom. Um, and I think the problem. You know, the problem as we see it is twofold. So number one, there's a huge amount of like plastics and we use wastes. I think something like 20,000 plastic bottles per person uh, from the bathroom in, in, in uh, the average lifetime. So, you know, if you, if you add up a city's worth of people, that's like a crazy, crazy amount of waste. Um, and then the other thing is recycling. It's, the, the amount of products that are actually recycled from the bathroom is very low. There's, you could go, go on Google and you get all sorts of different um, statistics and, and different numbers. But the, part of the problem is people today in their kitchens often have like a recycling bin and a normal bin and sometimes a compost bin. But in their bathroom, they tend to just have like one bin. 
and then they go and empty their bathroom bin into the normal bin rather than sorting through it like the average person does. Um, so a lot of stuff just ends up in, in landfill or eventually getting into the, the oceans or whatever. So I think for us, like the ultimate goal is to have a range of genuinely innovative products that solve this problem. So maybe it's, you know, we've got deodorant and body wash, it's shampoo, it's conditioner, it's hand soap, it's all, all those products. Um, and to do, to do that in a way where the product, you know, first and foremost, is really effective. It smells great. Like ultimately it doesn't matter how sustainable you are. If you don't have a good product, no one wants to buy it. So first and foremost, really, really great product that smells really great. And then, you know, natural ingredients, which we believe is, is, um, you know, it's nicer to know what you're putting on your body, um, rather than like a whole list of kind of chemicals that you, you don't know what they are. Um, and then, yeah. And then, and then the sustainability element to, to kind of solve the, the core problem that I mentioned. Absolutely. Is it something you've always been passionate about or, you know, from the beginning you, you as an individual? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a kind of hardcore um, eco, yeah, um, yeah eco warrior. I'm, 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 I think it's like most people over the last five to ten years, my awareness of it is, has grown. Um, I grew up in fact, both my business partner and I grew up in the Scottish countryside. So, despite the, the lack of accent, so we we kind of have a bit of an appreciation for the nature and. You know where I live. There's like tons of forests, and it's it's kind of very very uh, rural Britain. Um, and I think living now in London, you know, it is quite a stark change. And you do just like, you know, we we so we did a um, charity day um, cleaning, helping cleaning up the Thames the other day as a business, and it's just insane the, the amount of rubbish that is there. And there were. Think of like eighty percent of that rubbish is wet wipes, by the way, which is kind of crazy. But um, we we were literally digging. We were like, "Oh, isn't that sort of sand or whatever?" And they were like, "No, that whole kind of ten meter by ten meters is just wet wipes buried on top of it. There's probably like a million wet wipes in that small space." Um, and it, and you know, amongst that are obviously all the bottles and kind of all the other all the other crap. But it's it's sort of yeah it's it's kind of eye opening and I think for me personally I, it's something that has become more of a thing. The older I've got, I've got a, a one year old kid now and another on the way. I don't really want you know if it continues the way it is. I, I can't imagine what it will be like in the future because there's however many billion people on Earth if they're all contributing, you know, twenty thousand plastic bottles in their mm-hmm. lifetime. Like where's it all going to go? Like can't dig holes forever and grind. Um so yeah, I think I think it's it's increasingly become more important to me. And it's yeah. and it's definitely the cornerstone of of this business is sustainability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well look, I, I think it's been amazing to, you know, hear about the journey, hear some of the lessons uh and the different aspects. Um, that you've gone along the way, you know, some some great lessons there for people. If you could give entrepreneurs some tips, just, we'll, 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 you know, as a last question, on their mindset, you know, the, the challenges that you go through in business, the ups and downs, what are the kind of three things or two things or maybe even one thing that you do to keep your mindset sharp, to keep yourself focused? Is there any kind of things that you have like to deal with the challenges and the ups and downs? 
Yeah, I think I think there's there's possibly two two bits I'd say. The first one is you know internally you're always gonna doubt yourself a bit, or you're gonna doubt the idea. You're gonna be worried it won't work, and and therefore the best thing you can do is just do stuff imperfectly. Don't try and be a perfectionist, and and most entrepreneurs probably are perfectionists. Um, don't try and you know design stuff for a year before long or you know waiting forever before you get anything out there like the best single best thing you can do is just get something out there and see how people react to it and the best and most important lessons you're going to learn are from consumers themselves because they will very quickly give you the feedback that you need to know to know to iterate your product um so I think you know that that's probably the big one like launch them perfectly uh, and I always say that to people because I know people who've spent years kind of gearing up to launch and then they never even launch or they they you know or they don't have what a market fit. Um so that that's probably the first one. And then uh, in terms of kind of mindset, I think you know that you get a lot of stuff online or LinkedIn these days about, you know, I think you get two camps, like the people who who sleep two hours a night and um work for the other twenty-two. And then you get the camp of people who are very against that and, you know, they do yoga in the middle of the day or whatever it is. Like, I think you, <laughs> you, you can do it whatever way you want. There's no one set way or rule to become successful. I think there are a few key attributes. You've got to work hard and you've got to be prepared to work hard. You can't, like, half-heartedly do something. You can't really do another full-time job and successfully, like, really successfully launch your own business. You can start it, but probably not sustain it. Um, and I think basically, you know, it, it comes down to how much of yourself you're willing to give. And there's always, there's always going to be like a chunk of you, um, that it takes to start a business, but that doesn't have to be a kind of bad thing. You know, as I said, I've got a family. I'm, I'm not neglecting them or I'm not missing out time with my daughter. Um, cause she kind of grows up for a business. It's just not worth that. But at the same time, when I am working, I'm going to make sure that I'm like, really driven and doing my best at it um and then the final thing is i think you know it doesn't help to be blindly optimistic but i think being optimistic is key even if you don't feel it in the moment because normally there's a solution for any problem and most problems in the moment feel way way bigger than than they actually are and there's like definitely been times in the last four years where i've been seriously stressed or like close to tears because i'm like oh my god how are we ever gonna solve this problem um but actually two weeks later you pretty much forgotten about it and it like <laughs> it seems sort of meaningless so i think like be optimistic know that you can solve pretty much most problems and and yeah and then you should be okay I think there's some great, great guidance, some great advice there. You know, thanks so much for for coming on, uh, Charlie. Go and check out wearewild.com. That's correct, Charlie. You know, I've got that right. Yep, yeah, correct. Go, yeah. And check, go and check it out. The products look absolutely amazing. Uh, do some good for the environment and sustainability and uh, check out what uh, Charlie and the team at Wild are doing. It's really, really impressive. And of course, thanks for listening for today's podcast. Uh, for more amazing guests like this, make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, make sure that if you've been enjoying it, that you go and share this. Perhaps you know 
an e-commerce entrepreneur or somebody selling products or services. And if you do, share this episode with them so they can really get the highlights of what Charlie's been saying or maybe just a business owner that needs those fundamental tips on launching their products or service. Go ahead and share this episode with them by clicking the link and share it with someone to brighten up their day. Thanks again, Charlie. It's been absolutely amazing. Really enjoyed talking to you and really enjoy, you know, I'll be keeping a close eye on on this business and how it continues to grow and, and do lots of good in the world. Thanks again. Brilliant. Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure. Hi, everybody. Adam here. And I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.